Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Volrath Feed. I'm your host, Rich Rupp, product trainer and chef at the Volrath Company, and together with my host, Justin Pearson, we'd like to bring you into the many different areas of the commercial food service industry that maybe you don't always think about when someone says the world of commercial food service. It really is a big industry, and there are many, many different areas within it and a ton of people working in them. So we always have something interesting to talk about. So with that, Justin, welcome to to uh, today's episode. I dare say, Hello, I Rich. Think, yeah, thanks. I think uh, this is we're getting up there in numbers here, aren't we? Who to thunk it when we started? Yeah, I know. This? It's it's you know we are rapidly approaching a full year's worth of uh, podcasts, and that's that's really exciting. You know, it, it, considering that a year ago this wasn't on our radar <laughs> really at all, and, and <laughs> right, and we've had a lot of great guests and a lot of oh. fantastic content and it's, it's really been a whole lot of fun and very very enlightening for myself too because I, as i've voiced many times that i do not come from a food service background short of being in high school and working at uh, a quick serve restaurant uh, so this for me is just really shined a light on a lot of areas that didn't even really think about in the past well, you've held your own. You're you're a foodie. You're a guy yeah, interested yeah, in food, I'm... and <laughs> I you're you're doing all right for a guy who's saying he doesn't know much. I don't know. I, I beg to differ. I think you've uh, you've more than held your own here. So good job on that. And today is is going to be a another good show. I think with um, a topic I think a lot of us have some experience with. Today on the show we have Aaron Hoffman, who is the founder of Deliver That, which is an on-demand delivery service similar to Uber Eats, Grubhub, and all of those. And he started this business with his roommate in college back in 2013. So it'll be interesting to hear. You know, he was one of the first ones out there. And then you know, that business was starting to take hold, and COVID hit, and it just blew up into what it is, what we've got going on now with this mm-hmm. delivery service. And I know you and I talked the other day. A lot of it has been very good and very positive. But as you know, we say, nothing's perfect, and we've definitely had – better experiences with some and others. So it'll just be interesting to hear maybe some of the growing pains that he's talking about with, with his business and some of the things that they're maybe looking forward to changing or doing differently or who knows. So it should be a, should be a good show. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's almost like it's been in an extended beta testing because it hasn't been around for very long, the whole third-party delivery options. And, and being in COVID, it's uh, been thrust into some arenas and usage that it probably wasn't originally designed for so it's gonna have to adjust and adjust quickly and it has in many ways but uh, there's there's still lots of room for improvement and it's unfortunate that in some markets it, they don't fare as well as larger markets and that's I, I've noticed that with some of the delivery apps you know it's it's difficult to get the same type of uh, service that you would in a, in a larger market but you know and I know you and I've commiserated about some experiences that we've had that uh, with the third-party delivery well that's the easiest place to go you know the easiest things to identify first right the things that don't go well so that's right. what happens and it's it's difficult separating that we, we t- we've talked in the past about restaurants and how they separate themselves from the delivery apps that are bringing their food to the the customer and mm-hmm. and yeah sometimes the restaurant gets a bad rap for for something that happened and you know not really there fault no that's the danger when you're a restaurant of partnering with these and then it's ultimately your food at the end of the day that gets evaluated and gets rated and we know how important that's becoming these days so 
Yeah. Very different. A lot of stuff. Yeah. So. Well, and I've had some great experiences too. Um, whenever I order from uh, Panera, it's perfect. Spot on. Like never have had an issue. Um, and then I've ordered from other places that use the same service and it's kind of been a nightmare. Hmm. I remember one event in particular where we ordered food never came, food never came hour and a half later, still nothing. And I'm meanwhile trying to get a hold of somebody from customer support and it just was impossible. And finally I contact the restaurant and I'm like, Hey, what's up with this? And they're like, Oh, nobody ever came to get your food. I'm like, well, that's great. You know, meanwhile, yeah. we're starving. And uh, so we just ended up going down, you know, spent, spending the 20 minutes to go down there and pick it up and get it. And so, and then trying to get a refund was just impossible. So there's obviously some things that are getting worked out. And I know yeah. you, you had a similar experience. Yeah, we, we had an experience just recently here. And um, I think it just came down to a little, a little bit maybe of a system and a little bit maybe of a human uh, carelessness, I'll say, but we think what happened is we put it under our son's name and then we got food for another person with his exact, with this same first name. Mm. So instead of being a unique identifier, they relied on the person's name. So I don't know if the driver walked in and say, Hey, I need to pick up for Ryan. Or if, you know, somebody at the restaurant said, Hey, who's got Ryan? But somehow there was two Ryans on the board at the same time. We got the wrong Ryan food, which huh. delayed our food for well, probably an hour or more. So it was just that seemed to me like that's what happened. I mean, I, I, it's, I can see it when you look at the, the check and it just has Ryan on the top, but it's clearly a different Ryan with, hmm. you know. Yeah, it seems like know. that could be a, an easy fix there. And maybe yes. I, I'm sure that they don't simply just go off the name. Like there's got to be some type of n number I or I don't know. Somewhere we got Ryan, the other Ryan's food, and he got ours, which hmm. – we ordered more than he did, so he got a better deal out of it. Because <laughs> they did let us keep the first Ryan's food, so we we came out okay on food side, but well, just it was a delay. That's yeah, all, you're not always, you, you're not looking for that. You're not looking for free stuff. No, you want your no, stuff. Right. You want your your stuff right. when it's when you expect it. And yeah, yeah. So well, that brings up some interesting questions that I'm looking forward to to asking Aaron about and yeah, uh, how how they do things differently and you know what what really. Uh, differentiates deliver that from from some of the other platforms and mm -hmm. well one of the things i hope to find out as well is we are of course walrath and we have our line of delivery products and mm -hmm. li li looking maybe for i don't even know if he uses any of our stuff so that'll be interesting to find out and what does he look for in those types of products is it the durability is it the heat retention or cold retention the insulation factor is it the convenience of it, storage of it. I and mean, what are the things that they're finding are important in those products? Mm -hmm. That might be a little insight for our company to hear from him as well. Oh, absolutely. I think it'll also be a lot of fun to talk about the early days of it, right? Because he said it started <laughs> in a dorm room. And it was yeah. literally he and his buddy were walking, his roommate were walking to their college food service commons area. And his buddy said, or he said, I don't know which one it was anymore, but said, I bet people would pay to have this delivered. And that's kind of how the whole thing took off. And, it, and it, they went back to their dorm room, got a Twitter account, started making it. And it, it was interesting to read up some of the things he was talking about, like, um, here we are, college kids hiring college kids. That's a <laughs> that's a different dynamic when you're working for really you know, your person your own age. And yesterday they were your buddy, today you're, they're your, you're your, their boss. You know, that's a... 
yeah. different dynamic. And you're running with just an idea, just a concept, and you're making it work. I mean, there's like, I, I bet initially not a lot of overhead costs to, to start no. up this business. I mean, you're probably not even running with, with much equipment if you're just doing it around campus. You're just grabbing stuff and, you know, mm-hmm. hopping over to the other side of campus. And, right. Yeah, it, and it's it's really about striking when timing is, is right. And, and um, convenience has always been the driving factor for our society. How can we make things easier, faster, better? Mm-hmm. And uh, people are willing to pay for that convenience factor. So it was, it was the right time. Yeah. So I, I mentioned that uh, it was he and his college friend that started this. So as a little fun, I just Googled real quickly other businesses that started in a college dorm room. Ah. Okay. So do you have any ideas? I mean, I think we, we know one Gosh. of the most famous ones, right? Uh, um, he's a like well, one of the well, yeah, yeah. top yeah, two richest guys in the world. Bill Gates, in the world. you know, he's he's that's one. Uh, yeah, uh, Microsoft. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Facebook. You know it. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Mark Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. I remember watching that movie. That <laughs> yep. was a Social Network. Yeah. Yeah. So How Microsoft, was, you mentioned. Yeah. Facebook, Yahoo, Insomnia yeah. Cookies. I'm not sure what Insomnia that is. Insomnia Cookies. I don't know. The uh, Onion, if you enjoy reading The Onion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah they started in a college dorm. That, that makes some sense, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that, that could be a couple of guys sitting around in a college dorm. It really easy. I can see that. Uh, Dell Computers was a guy in Texas. Oh, I did not know that one. Yeah, hmm. he thought, wouldn't it be cool if you could buy a computer that you actually specified and built small just for you? That's was Dell. Hmm. Google. Reddit and Snapchat are some of the big ones that I, I recognized on the list. All started in college dorm rooms. It makes sense for a lot of 21st century and, and late 20th century digital companies to be starting in dorm rooms. You know, a, a lot of ideas and learning and collaborations happen on campuses. And then I think we should get them on the show here and, and get yeah. going on it. What do you think? Let's do it. All right. So, once again, our guest today, Aaron Hoffman who is the co-founder of Deliver That. Aaron, welcome to the Volrath feed. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Thanks for having doing me. Doing really good. Well, our pleasure. Thank you. We're looking forward to, to uh, your story here today, and we did a little reading up uh, before we got you on here. And uh, college, a couple of college kids come up with a with a great idea. That's That's a lot of fun. I mean, is that truly exactly how it happened? Yeah, what's funny is I'm actually with... Uh with my business partner John right now in Florida. So yeah, we're uh you know him and our best friends, we uh you know started this company in our dorm room back in uh wow, it's been uh 13? Yeah, back in 13, yep. Yep, back in 13, man. It was a crazy time then too. Wow, well, a whole lot different than it is now though. Is that right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you guys have kind of you started in on one direction, then you pivoted and did something else, then Lo and behold, here you are back again. I think kind of what we started with is that is that true or no? Nah, so we started. Uh, it's a yeah. I'll give you guys the full story. So we uh, perfect. You know, we uh, we started with sixty bucks cash in my dorm room. We were walking to uh, the dining hall one day, and really uh, it was the first cold day. Him and I went to Ohio University. It's in Athens, mm-hmm. Ohio. It's a big party school, by the way. So <laughs> no one likes to do anything besides drink. And uh, yeah, we were walking to the dining hall, and uh, it was the first cold day of the year, and. Uh, you know, we like, you know, kids would pay to have anything delivered, you know, mainly food. And we thought, well, what about just delivering them anything? So right then and there, you know, the uh, the idea was born. 
and uh, we made a Twitter account, um, and we had, you know, him and I both had nothing to do with business. I was a pre-med, you know, student. He was an engineering student, so we, uh, no business background. Started a Twitter account, and we had a 4,000, you know, follower in two days. We're like, okay, we wow. got a business. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, started that, and, uh, you know, we're just running around campus delivering kids burritos, I mean, you name it, sandwiches, homework to classrooms, and uh, that, that's what started the whole, the whole entrepreneur mindset for him and I. Oh, I thought it was just a, a total food thing that you guys started doing. Well, that's, I guess, the, how the idea was born, but homework to classrooms? Yeah, you guys it, would take anything anywhere. Oh, uh, you would be amazed with what kids would <laughs> order with their parents' money. <laughs> wow. Any any good ones? Uh, any memorable ones that are? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a lot. You know, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of Plan B, a lot of Plan B. <laughs> Be a little uh, little vulgar here, but no. Um, obviously, no alcohol, no, no tobacco. But uh-huh. uh, you know, kids, you know, textbooks. I mean, you name it, they got everything delivered. They would take you know, wow. homework to classrooms, all that good stuff. So we uh, started at OU. Um, Expanded to, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Kent State, Miami University, mm-hmm. um, the Ohio State as well. And mm-hmm. uh, that that would have been through uh, all the way up to about 15 uh, and 16. And then we, gra- you know, him and I graduated in 16 and we, and we moved back home. So you were able to manage all this and still go to school and, and graduate. Uh, did you hire on a workforce? What, what did it look like? How did you manage uh, did you have operating hours and then work your class schedules around that? That's the craziest part is that, you know, we listed my, <laughs> when we first started, we would get all the orders sent to my cell phone. Like people would just tweet at my cell phone or text my cell phone. Huh. And so like, I mean, it's, it's ringing nonstop, yeah. you know, all throughout the day and night. And, uh, you know, obviously we graduated to a higher, you know, way of, of, uh, of mm-hmm. receiving orders. We, we started to get drivers, um, primarily a lot of the basketball players and, and athletic kids, you know, they wanted to, to deliver. They liked doing it. But, you know, we found our way, and, uh, you know, we found a model that worked and was profitable, and, uh, you know, we uh, we kept growing it. So did the the kids just call you and say, hey, I need this delivered to here, and that was suddenly your connection to that business or that account? Or did you, you, did you actively go out and search, like, restaurants, for example, and say, we'll deliver your food if you mention us? Or how did that work? No, we didn't. We didn't work directly with any restaurants. We were actually sort of like a third-party delivery app today, except we weren't an app. Um, we had a website that you could order through, and there were a couple college kids that built it for us. And uh, you know, I mean, it was it was bootstrapped and band-aided together. I mean, hmm. it's what you imagine a couple college kids put together. Oh, okay. Yeah. So anyway, so we progressed through college. Uh, graduated in sixteen. Came back to Canton, Ohio, which is where him and I are both from, and we still tried uh, to get the, you know do the on demand uh, back in our hometown, and it just it just wouldn't get any traction. So we were like, man, you know we we know there's a problem here. So we went into a local restaurant. Uh, it's actually a big uh, a big chain restaurant, but we went into our local one, and um, they had a uh, a bunch of catering deliveries just just set up all over tables. And the manager said, hey, you know, we don't want you delivering our individual orders, but would you like to deliver our catering orders? And at the time, 
we didn't know anything about catering, didn't know how big the market was, didn't know that people even got it delivered. But we were mm. like, okay, you know, we'll try it. And from that first delivery, we got a massive tip. It was super easy. You just had to have a slight, uh, you know, idea of common, of, of customer service. And uh, it was like, okay, we can do this. And that's what bred the pivot or, you know, started the pivot from doing the on-demand deliveries to pre-scheduled catering, meal prep, you know, all those kind of deliveries. That's interesting that it just you just kind of walked in and said like, yeah, we don't know anything about this, but we're going to do it. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly, that is exactly what happened. Huh. And then from there, it just, just blew up. And so was your, your goal after that to really just focus on the catering side of it and really expand that element and, and make that your specialty in the delivery market? Yeah, because him and I got some funding from family and friends, and we, we did build an app, and it just we just couldn't compete with the, the bigger delivery companies. We couldn't do the on-demand stuff, so we had to find a niche market. And yeah, we put all of our eggs in back in uh, in the uh, fall of 16 and then, you know, moving forward, we just focused strictly on catering and we would work from account to account. Um, landed our first, I would say, somewhat big account with a regional barbecue chain. Um, I'll give them a shout out, Old Carolina Barbecue. If you guys have not Very cool. tr- tried them, definitely I, try them. If no, you're in I the haven't. Can- if you're in the Akron, Canton, Cleveland area, they're they're phenomenal. Um, so, uh, we started working with them. They do a lot of catering and we just kicked ass. And from there, you know, we started working with Boston market and Qdoba corporate, and then it just started to expand very quickly. And, um, that's what started this big national expansion. So did you hire a company for your expansion? How, how, cause you see it happen time and time again, where, where companies grow too fast and they can't handle it. And then they kind of implode. Um, what did your strategy look like for that? Our strategy was packing a briefcase or you know, packing a, you know, packing a suitcase, a briefcase, you know, backpack and hitting the road and just expanding. We, you know, John and I, John's the other founder. We, you know, we launched Cincinnati, Indianapolis, him and I would stay at extended stays and launch. Um, and that's how we first got it going. And then obviously we started to hire employees to do this, this, this expansion so when you say you went to these uh, cities and, and we're going to open them up to it, what what does that entail? I mean, you, you, you go to the city and do you take out ads? Do you recruit drivers? Do you go into businesses and say, we'll do this for you? How did that go? Yeah, so definitely there are some prep beforehand where you have to post ads to get drivers or at least some tractions. We would do meet and greets with people. Um, with catering, I'm not sure if you guys are too familiar with catering, but with catering, uh, there's there has to be that level of professionalism and customer service presence. So you can't just hire any Joe Schmo off the street or contract any Joe Schmo off the street. You have to make sure that they can represent the brand they're delivering for. And there are some really, really good people out there that are driving on these platforms, not just for deliver that, but for, you know, all the third parties. I mean, some really good people. So we would, uh, we do meet and greets. Um, we would obviously contract restaurants beforehand, even going into the markets. So we already have deliveries essentially lined up. And it was essentially just finding the drivers and then starting to take the deliveries. No, you're so right with uh, the right personality because even if things aren't going right, the right person on site working it through the pro- the problem through is is can mean success or failure with the whole event, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. So when you when you say you are catering, 
Does that mean you're bringing like the full Schaefer setups and, and all the platters and everything that go with that, and then you're gathering it up and taking it away at the end of the day? Or is, are you just dropping food off, laying it out, and then taking off? How does the catering work in that scenario? Yeah, I mean, our, our drivers, uh, I mean, they, yes, they do the chafing sets. They do, you know, business catering drop-offs. Um, you know, our brand really, um, or I should say, our company aims to uh, contract drivers that look and feel like the restaurants that, you know, deliver to their customers, you know, their employees would. So whether you need it set up with a chafing set or you need it set or, you know, just dropped off, I mean, our drivers are going to do it exactly the way that your brand would. Do they, when they're on site, are they wearing a deliver that hat or uh, deliver your brand or are they wearing the the brand of the restaurant? Or Yeah, so... So, I mean, obviously you guys know like the big controversy with independent contractors right now, you know, are they employees? Are they gig economy workers? So we can't require them to wear our logos or a brand's logos, but what we can do is let the restaurant say, hey, I want a driver that's wearing a polo with khakis or, you know, polo with dark jeans, and then we will then match the driver up and educate them. Hey, if you want to take these deliveries, you have to follow these guidelines. It's no different than if you're contracting okay. a, you know, a plumber or a contractor to fix your house, you know, set up your basement or something, you know, whatever it may be. Okay. Oh, so it is very different. So do you, do you consider yourself in the food business then, or are you just simply the, the conduit between the restaurant to the operator? That's, that is a great question. I would say it's, de- I mean, we're definitely both. Um, you know, we, we, we primarily do food you know, deliveries, whether it be pre-scheduled or meal prep or meal kit deliveries or, you know, grocery delivery. But we are connecting uh, restaurants with a driver that, that fits their needs. Wow. And the the equipment and things that you supply to them, that's all your stuff? that, Or do you use the restaurant's equipment when you bring it on site? It, it really depends on what the restaurant wants. So some restaurants prefer okay. that, that drivers use their equipment. Um, all of our drivers have to have, you know, industry graded thermal bags as well to drive on our platform. I mean, that's just needed. So, um, it, you know, again, it falls back on the restaurant. Hey, you know, what do you want out of a driver? Uh huh. So you mentioned the industry rated thermal bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're, uh, do you, do you realize we, Volrath, we have some of these products. We're anxious to hear what you consider to be a good quality thermal bag. Is it is it uh, uh, temperature loss? How do you rate it? Do you rate it on durability? Is it on just other little features, pockets, zippers? What to me or what to you is a good quality industry thermal bag? I, so one, it's highest priority is it's got to keep the food's integrity. Whether it's cold, it's got to keep it cold. Whether it's hot, it's got to keep it hot. Um, that's number one. Number two, obviously, you know, size three. It's got to be economical. Obviously, we don't provide our our drivers with bags; they have to purchase them. So you have to you know, keep in mind that you know the average independent contractor is not going to spend a hundred bucks on a thermal bag when they've got to buy three or four of them. You know, they want to spend between five and twenty bucks on them. So, do they purchase them through you, or do they have to just get? something uh, we don't require them to purchase the bags through us but we do offer them okay so they can they they need to provide pr- if they don't purchase them through us they have to provide proof of them essentially hmm. 
Okay. Well, that's something I, I didn't realize that was the angle or that uh, the drivers truly are independent in this case. They they supply everything. You're just giving them yeah. the the lead, so to speak, and then they take it from there more or less. And you give them the, the, the training on the brand, which is I think is really cool that somebody that comes into a, a restaurant they, or, excuse me, a end user can feel like they understand a little bit about what they're representing, yeah. right? That's That's kind of cool. Absolutely. That's very, very neat. Yeah. Well, I will say that it does sound like your vetting process and your training and your equipment requirements set you apart from some of the other experiences I've had with other uh, third-party delivery. And I, I won't call anybody out. I don't yeah, want no to, names. No to names. make any enemies, but <laughs> but there's definitely been some, some experiences where I didn't see any of that. You know, there was, there was terrible customer service. There was food was delivered cold. It was, it was all over the place. Now, and you're doing catering, um, but have you, with COVID, have you eased back or gone into the home delivery to supplement uh, the loss of a lot of catering work? Yeah, so we've definitely done the the more of the, you know, on-demand deliveries as well. Um, I would definitely say that our bread and butter, I mean, you're going to get the highest quality driver with the higher paying jobs and with the pre-scheduled larger orders you're obviously, there's more room for, you know, paying a driver more. So um, we, you know, that's our hedgehog is these pre-scheduled, you know, high quality deliveries that, that take a, a level of service that you're not going to get with your typical on-demand driver. However, we do do on-demand deliveries. I'm not saying we don't. Um, it's just, it's not what we specialize in. What are some of the other changes and and what are some things that you've you've done to be flexible and been able to remain buoyant uh, during this time? Well, we um, so the way we onboarded drivers before COVID happened was a an existing driver, um, and we called them lead drivers because they were our best drivers. They would have to take the new drivers out on a ride along or a shadowing, where they'd have to obviously bring them in their car be hands-on with them, show them how to deliver, all that stuff. And you can't do that anymore. So we took that virtual, and we've actually improved the quality of our fleet by doing this, um, by controlling the entire process. We, we, um, we started implementing brand-specific, I would say, webinars and, um, to, and, and quizzes where these drivers would have to pass them virtually instead of having a driver essentially implement them on the spot. So I, I would imagine that's something that may or may not have eventually come along had it not been accelerated from a pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and it'll, it'll probably stay in place. Are there any other things that, that have come along uh, that have been forced because of necessity that you're like, hey, you know what? I like the way that we're doing things now with this modification. We definitely lowered our lead time. Um, you know, before we were requiring 16 hours advance notice to take a delivery. I mean, now it's down to, I mean, we'll, we take deliveries up to 20, 30 minutes notice now. Wow. So that's what COVID's, I mean, COVID, as horrible as it's been to the world and to certain industries, and especially to the restaurant industry, it's been a blessing in disguise for us because it's really forced our hand to uh, fill in a lot of the gaps that we had. Yeah, adapt and survive. You know, going back to talking about your drivers, I think it's really, again, I, I love the idea that you're 
you're training them, you're, you've got this involvement with them, but do you, when you vet out a driver, what about, I know this is, a, I think, an industry issue overall, but the, the liability of, you know, the restaurant is giving the food to the driver who is a third independent contractor working for you, and then you take it to the restaurant. If something happens along the process with the product, um, liability, where does that stand nowadays with the driver, with the restaurant, with you? I mean, who, who's, how does that all shake out at the end of the day? Yeah, so the, I mean, the liability definitely falls on, you know, us and the driver. You know, the driver's an extension of deliver that um, when it comes to the liability purposes. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it definitely falls on us. So if there is an issue with the food quality or, you know, an order arrives late, you know, that definitely falls on us. And we, we make sure the issue is taken care of. I mean, you know, there are going to be, you know, there, there are problems. There's always going to be problems in delivery. Um, I don't care if it's, if it's a bigger delivery company, a smaller one, it's, it's how you handle that, that problem and make it right for the customer. That's mm-hmm. the difference between us and the other third-party delivery companies. So when you talk about these problems, what is the number one problem you see that if you could fix, if you had the magic wand, what would be the thing you'd fix tomorrow if you could that you see right now as one of those issues? Oh, man. I would say it's between two things. It's it's one, it's it's getting aligned with the brands that you deliver for. And I and by alignment, I mean like, hey, making sure that, that the timing at every single point, you know, touch point is correct. The food's made on time. Mm-hmm. The driver shows up at the you know, right time. The customer answers their phone on the first call. You know, so I would say that there's <laughs> there's so many parts about alignment that I would say if it was if it went off like it's supposed to every time, you know, third party delivery would be, you know, a cakewalk. But that's that's the thing about our business. It doesn't ever happen that way. So you have to be able to troubleshoot. Um, we have an in house support team in Canton, Ohio, uh, that handles and troubleshoots these problems when they happen. So you're not getting outsourced to a call center overseas or somewhere else. I mean, you're talking to an agent that can look at your delivery. Or if you're a driver, for example, you can call in and talk to a person at our, you know, at our call center um, that can solve your problem. Wow. You can actually talk to a real person. <laughs> yeah. You can talk to a, <laughs> that, an English, what? you know, primary language is English in Canton, Ohio, huh. um, in our office. That's... Please. Very refreshing, you know. Yeah, our eyes lit up when we hear that, right? I, I know. <laughs> it's unusual, but very cool. So do you go back to the restaurants, and we talk about some of the problems that can happen in delivery, and do you ever go back to a restaurant and say, hey, guys, every time we try to order this item, it just, that's maybe not a good item to do delivery with? Is is there a go back and forth on that? Do they ask for that feedback from you? Yeah, I mean, the the brands that, that look at us like a true partner, absolutely. And we, I mean, it's, it's, it's two ways. I mean, they provide feedback to us we provide feedback to them i mean if there's an item that's not traveling well or that is constantly spill i'll give you an example old carolina is a great example of this okay that's it's one of our first customers um they would not uh no knock on them but they didn't package their um baked beans correctly they would spill all over the bags like almost on every delivery so we said hey you know we either got to do something about this or we can't you know can't take these beans in our bags anymore. They're just ruining driver's bags. So they, you know, figured out a way to double saran wrap or keep the beans, you know, beans integrity and boom, voila, problem solved. So I think if you're going to work with the delivery company, you got to have that, that transparency with them. 
So what items have, have worked the best? What are items that you think travel and, and arrive with the highest integrity from the restaurant? Is it bread steaks? Is it obviously cold things, but I'm talking hot food. Is there any food that you've kind of learned throughout the years that, man, that one's that's a good one to deliver? And then there's some that just aren't so good, and that's probably what, fried foods, I'm guessing? Yeah. Just my my I thoughts? I would say probably fried foods is the toughest, um, especially if the brand mm-hmm. doesn't know how to, I guess, properly ventilate the fried food to make sure it doesn't get soggy. Um, meat, meat travels fine. You know, a, a lot of the carbs, like potatoes, um, you know, like, you know, baked beans travel good. I mean, anything that's 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 really uh, dense travels well. Do you have any tips for, like, uh, a small mom-and-pop shop that is doing a lot of deep-fried stuff? What are, what are some, some things that a person can do, uh, without giving away all of your secrets <laughs> and all that, but um, to, to deliver fried food? Because it's always, if it's... Five minutes out the door, French fries, and they're not done right. I mean, they're just a soggy mess. We all know that. Um, but what are some things that people can do to uh, extend the time out the door and preserve some of the, the freshness of fried yeah, I mean, food? if you're a brand listening to this podcast, invest in packaging. It is so important. It is so important to invest in packaging, not only you know to keep your food's integrity, but branding. But what I would tell brands is to – um, for fried foods, just to poke holes in the top of the lids or find, you know, the proper ventilation. As long as you can let moisture rise up and, and get out of the pan, you'll have no, the, the food won't get soggy. Um, there's a great company called, uh, I believe they were called Soggy Food Sucks before. They're now Saver Pack. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, I like yeah. the they previous changed name. Their name. Yeah. What they the changed, heck? And it's, 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 it's pretty, it's, it's pretty cool stuff. They, they, uh, the guy was a rocket scientist before, uh, you know, he went into the food business. So he he slaps a lid on the or he slaps something on the bottom of a of the packaging, and it sucks in all the moisture from the fried food to keep the integrity. And I think it 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 keeps the integrity up to two hours. But uh, it's it's a pretty cool product, Man. and I've I've used it, and it works very well. That does sound cool. I think I'm writing that down. Soggy food sucks. Yeah, I, I think. <laughs> or what's their new name? It's it's S A V R Pack P A K Saver Pack. Oh yeah, Saver Pack. Okay, writing that one down. I mean, that's way more professional sounding, I guess. But <laughs> soggy food sucks. I remember really the first one a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because exactly. hey, no one likes soggy food, right? That's uh, right. No one likes soggy food. Uh, no, I, I'm I'm with you there. So you and John, you you guys are still, uh, you know, out of school a bunch of, uh, but uh, 10, uh, not even five years now, yep. right? So pretty young guys. Yep. Are you still running the business day to day? Is that are you guys sole owners yet? Or are you looking at uh, franchising or how are you guys looking at your growth? Is that just you guys still having fun doing it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I wouldn't say it's, it, it's definitely a grind still, but uh, yeah, yeah, John and I are definitely day to day. You're still in the business. Everything. I mean, it's our baby, you know. So, um, yeah. You know, we have about 40 full-time employees. Um, that's call reps, salespeople. I mean, you name it. I mean, we're, you know, humming and hoeing. So, um, yeah. You know, we we anticipate to keep growing the company. We we doubled our coverage during COVID. I mean, we service pretty much every major metropolitan area in the United States. Um, in a lot of the suburban areas of those major metros, I would say everything outside of New York City, 
primarily is what we cover. So um, that has been a, you know, back to the whole thing about COVID has been a blessing in disguise for us. Um, it's really done us, you know, wonders. Yeah. And, and again, you guys, I, I bring it up only because I was out of college and put in a position where um, you're suddenly a, a manager of people and being younger, sometimes, you know, that people will have a hard time with that. And you guys, again, running a, a big company here, growing at the rate you're growing, 40 employees full-time on top of all the drivers you have. Uh, any issues with that? Like, even I think one of you said it in an interview somewhere about you were college kids hiring college kids. Uh, do, you, do you have any thoughts on how that's going now? Or is there anything you look at is, is a, something a listener can gain from experience from is a mindset maybe going into that meeting when you are maybe quite a bit younger than the people you're with. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been a challenge. Um, and I would say I did an interview about two weeks ago and this, this, this same question was posed to me, you know, what's the, what was the biggest thing you learned during your, you know, first few years of business? And I, you know, I, I answered leading people. It's, it's, it is the most challenging thing. Um, getting people to buy into your vision, especially when you're younger. Um, you know, we, you know, we employ people that are, you know, that are, you know, twice my age and, um, you know, don't get me wrong. They've got a, a lot of respect for me and I have a lot of respect for them. They, they do great work, but, um, you know, it is challenging. It's very challenging, especially, you know, when you're working with your best friend, um, you know, him and I have, uh, have been able to navigate that relationship, you know, friendship and business very well. Um, not many people can do that. I'll tell you right now, not many people can do that. But him and I have done a great no, job. Tough. Yeah, it's been very, very true. Yeah. So luckily, you know, knock on wood here, um, you know, him and I have been doing it for seven years and hopefully it's going to be a lot longer than that. Do you guys draw lines or is that how you, do you manage one side of the business, John's the other, or do you guys collaborate 100% on everything or how do you guys f- navigate that, that friendship and that business experience together? Oh, I mean, there's definitely a clear, we know when it's business time and when it's, you know, you know, when it's fun time, you know, when it's, you know, powwow time, when it's, hey, you know, you're in the boardroom, you know, it's, it's different than when you're you know, on the golf course. So, um, yeah, him and I definitely know our, we know the boundaries, we know our roles. I wouldn't say that we're, you know, I'm not involved in everything he does. He's not involved in everything I do. However, we are involved in a lot of the big decisions, you know, collectively. Okay. Well, whatever you're doing and it's working for you, you're both happy. Steady the course, right? Yep, absolutely. Very yeah. Good. Well, and establishing that culture, that company culture, and getting that buy-in from your employees, from your drivers, um, that's probably one of the strongest things you can you can do as a leader. And it, to me, it sounds like like you've done a really solid job with that. Um, did you spend a lot of time establishing? what your company culture would be like, how you're going to treat your drivers, how you're going to treat your employees, your mission statement, all of that. What, what was that process like for you? Yeah. You know, I, um, man, my first job was at Subway. I was a, uh, I made sandwiches. So I was six, I was 16 or 17. His first job was at Office Max. And, um, you know, when we got to college, you know, him and I went to high school together too. So we, we go way back, you know, we played baseball together um, and, you know, when we got to college and started this idea, we, we vowed to essentially never, um, never work for somebody else. And because we knew of the culture that we had been in before in these other places. So, you know, we took those lessons and, uh, 
our feelings at that time and said, hey, you know, we're going to be a fun environment to work for. We're definitely going to work hard and instill that that culture. But at the same time, we're going to you know reward our team members um, for the hard work that they put in. So we are a place or we are a workplace that, you know, gets shit done, essentially. And if you get your stuff done, you're going to get rewarded for it. Oftentimes, it's as simple as that. You know, get, put your head down and work and good things will come to you. When, when you're looking at going after a, a specific client, or, or do you do that? Do you, do, you, do you sit down and be like, hey, you know, we'd really like to acquire this company and, and take care of their delivery needs? Yeah, so we definitely have sort of like the, uh, I don't want to say it's like a target, but, um, you know, an ideal client list, absolutely, hmm. of people that or companies that we would like to work with. Uh, I would say it's brands that, you know, that that value partnerships, that have great quality food, that, you know, brands, I'll give you an example of a brand that, you know, if, if you were to tell me today that I could only work with this brand, I would say, okay, everyone else off to, you know, off. Chick-fil-A, you know, uh, we look to be, the, you know, one of our internal missions or our internal um, goals is to be the Chick-fil-A of delivery. And that's, I'll use this by example. If you go to a Chick-fil-A in Canton, Ohio, or Florida, or wherever, you're nine times out of nine you're, you know, you're going to get the exact same experience every single time. They're going to greet you the same way. You're going to get the same quality food. You know, X, Y, and Z is going to be the same. So we, we like to work with brands like that, that really know what they're doing, that know their hedgehog concept, know they make a great product, and we just want to plug in and essentially do, you know, execute on what they're uh, promising their customers. And that's a great product. That's so on point, you know, when you can get – Working with somebody who uh, does things the same way every single time and creating that standard and expectation, uh, not only for your employees, but your customers, uh, it's, it's a formula that works to duplicate results. So that's, that's right on. So I, I guess that, that'd be the, the thing. I was going to ask you, what is the one thing, if you could tell your or restaurants or food service operators out there, that they could do to help you in your business, I guess you just said it with, would be to be consistent in what they do. Every time your driver walks in, every time you have that product that needs needs to be delivered, it's in the same packaging, it's the same setup. There's no surprises for anybody. Um, I mean, is that the number one thing you would tell someone is just to be consistent or is there something even bigger than that that they could help you with? Uh, yeah, I would say be consistent and also you know have that partnership mentality um, we don't look at our company as a third-party delivery company, since you know we don't we we don't um, you know take in customer data at all. We don't use it against brands. Think of us as delivery as a service. You know, we want to be your delivery service provider. Um, you know, primary delivery service provider. So we want to plug and play it essentially exactly like your brand. Um, so whether it's you know, driver A, driver B, treat them the same way. Drivers, you know, they're people too. Um, be consistent with your food. Um, have it ready on time. Um, make sure it's the same quality every time. That's that's some big uh, some big points I would uh, advise any brand. 
And then, like, my, my mother runs a restaurant, and um, she's been in business now 40, 41 years. So it's been a long time, and she obviously has never, it went for many, many years, had a delivery service. And she's gotten a few that have come in, and she's not gotten on board with any of them yet. So what would be something you would tell an operator like her that you – you, you help her with or you provide her? How can you give her some sense of ease? Because some of the liability things, she's worried about how her food's going to be received on the other end. She's worried about um, just the extra, in her mind, some of the hassles that maybe come with it. What would your speech to her be like to try to convince an operator who's not on board with third party to get on board with third party? Okay, so there's definitely, there's, there's three things. One would be the technology that that brand uses. We use... Um, you know, some, some logistics software that, you know, we can provide tracking links to customers, to the restaurants that use us. Um, our, our drivers have to, you know, take setup pictures. They have to get signatures from the restaurant. So there's the, that quality, of, you know, assurance piece. Um, that's number one. Number two would be, you know, delivery. About 5% of the time, stuff will hit the fan, you know, essentially. So how are you going <laughs> to, how are you going to handle that? Um, you know, we have an in-house call center, like I said, um, that can navigate those problems and make that 5% um, way easier on the restaurant operator than um, the other, you know, delivery companies. And I would say number three would be, you know, how do you treat your drivers? Um, that's just, I mean, that's that's some of the biggest, uh, or that is the biggest piece, in my opinion, that's that's missing from these delivery companies. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I delivered food for years. John delivered food. I mean, we still do it. Um, not obviously as much, but, um, you know, periodically him and I will take a delivery just to be like, you know, we want to see how things are going, you know, nowadays. So uh, I would say, you know, vet the company on how they treat their drivers, you know, what they do to educate their drivers, um, how they keep the quality of their drivers. I mean, because the driver is the first touch um, they're the, I mean, they're a direct extension of the brand that they're delivering for that customer is going to associate that driver with the brand's food. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that is probably the biggest piece that I see that's over, mm-hmm. that's overlooked. Oh, I agree. I think that's what my mother is, is wary about because she doesn't want somebody who, you know, I don't know how to say it right, but doesn't represent her brand, not maybe being as polite as they should be or not doing some of the things right. And as you said, that's that customer is now experienced with your restaurant brand. Mm-hmm. So very good point. What do you see as the next? I mean, we went through a huge bit of change here in a short time. What do you see a few years out? What do you think is the biggest thing we're going to see coming in in the delivery world? Automation. I mean, you're going to see automation beyond belief. You're going to see drones flying around with bags of food. <laughs> I mean, just just, yeah, just drop the, them the off. New- no, but um, I'll say in the short Parachute. term. Yeah, exactly. Just just dropping care packages in <laughs> right on your doorstep. Well, FAA just changed uh, their drone uh, regulations and modifying their Part 107. I, I'm a drone operator, too, but so I, I stay up on all nice, this stuff. Man. But but yeah, they're 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 clearing the they're clearing the airways for this to happen. So it is definitely coming down the pipeline sooner than we all think. I mean, wow. it's just it's just I mean, it's it's what should be happening. I mean, we should be looking for easier, con, you know, more convenient ways to logistically get food to people um or i mean it, it could be anything to people so i mean i i saw a pretty cool concept for you know sporting events they might fly like a little small blimp above a stadium 
and just drop drones in with food right to people's uh, seats. You know, I saw that pretty. <laughs> I don't know how you know how how real that would be if it would affect the game or if it'd be people would be fleeing, you know people would be staring at drones all day. But I mean, that was a, that, was a, <laughs> that was a pretty cool idea. I thought you know that would be that would be interesting to see. I, I would pay just to see that. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, but. I, I'm waiting for the the movie that comes out where the guy then can, takes control of them all and like you yeah. know flies them into each Jeez. other and oh. creates creates <laughs> havoc. Yeah, food flying everywhere. No, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. high tech food fight. <laughs> wow. No, but I, I see in the short term, um, you know, quarter one of 21, you're going to see pretty much what you saw in the last three quarters. Um, quarter two and beyond, I think by quarter th- the end of quarter three, you're going to see things really pick up or be, you know, well beyond um, where they were pre-COVID. Man, you I think so. um, people are going back to work in buildings that will require lunches be catered and things like that? Do you see some of that stuff returning as it was in the past? Or do you think that's going to kind of stay where it is now? So we, so when we, when COVID first happened, this would have been, oh man, what is it? The second or third week of March. And yep. actually, um, I remember this, the, the lockdown in Ohio happened on my dad's birthday, March 16th. Um, mm-hmm. We saw our revenue drop 85% in that mm. in, in April. And it got all the way back up to about 90% of where it was pre-COVID before the end of the year in December. Wow. So things really started to bounce back. People are ordering food again, um, whether it be in an office. You see a lot of offices or a lot of businesses, I should say, are doing the, you know, Skype meetings where they're getting food delivered. Um, they're getting these these packaged meals delivered um, to individuals for these Skype meetings. So it's starting to happen. Um, things are starting to pick back up right now. Aaron, if there's one thing that you could say your company does better than any other application or delivery service out there, what would that one thing be? Definitely service. And uh, I would definitely narrow that down to customer service. I mean, that's what would, that's what deliver that is. Right, yeah, right on. I mean, that's... Well, I'm nodding my head as soon as he said it because throughout the whole interview, that's I could absolutely pick up on is, is that uh, desire of you guys to be the leader in that area, for sure. Aaron, before we let you go, uh, we always like to ask our guests... At some point in your life, someone has influenced you, said something, you read a quote, you have a memorable thought, something that's motivated you or influenced you. Do you have anything like that that you think of often that you could share with our, our listeners today? I read a book that, um, that changed the way that I thought um, back in the summer of 16. It's called The Compound Effect by, uh, by Darren Hardy. Um, I would recommend that book to anybody that is either looking to start a business, that's an entrepreneur, that is looking to uh, to apply the principles of compound interest to um, other life principles. So that hmm. I, I couldn't speak highly enough about it. All right. Well, I have not heard of that, but uh, I'll definitely be looking that one up. So thanks. That's a I'm sure uh, something that's affected you. You use it uh, those principles to grow your business and obviously things are going well there. So very good. Thank you for that. Uh, any other last thoughts on, on business, where you're heading uh, people, if they're looking for your company, where do they find you just online? 
Yeah, if you go to deliverthat.com, just how it sounds, and it's how it's spelled, uh, deliverthat.com, you can visit our website, sign up online. Um, we have, obviously, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. You can find us on there, at deliverthatco. So it's just deliverthatco. If anybody's listening that uh, uh, is looking to get into the you know, the delivery business, I think you're, you'd they'd be wise to get with your company. It sounds like a great place to work. So thank you today for joining us. We really appreciate your time. It's been a pleasure talking to you and really good to hear about your company and what you guys are doing and, and wish you just nothing but continue, continued success. And hopefully you're uh, on your way to that uh, becoming the Chick-fil-A of delivery out there. So Aaron, thank you again for today. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Take care. Okay, Justin. Well, another... Another good episode, like we said, uh, on the front side of this all. Um, very different insight into what I thought um, maybe we'd be talking about with more of the nuts and bolts of the delivery thing. But he's really got a different kind of approach to, to what they're doing. He, I, I really, when he said customer service, as soon as he did, I, I was bobbing my head because I, I, it was such mm-hmm. a apparent thing focusing on that throughout the whole interview we did with him. Oh, definitely. I mean, multiple times he was he was laying out how the customer takes center stage for them. And that is something I just personally have never felt some other delivery platforms have, have, have done. It's also refreshing to see that an outside delivery company can be an extension of your own business. They're, they're proving that concept. That should make a lot of other operators who haven't previously considered this as an option. It should make you feel a little bit better that, that there are some things out there that that care about you and your brand as much as you do. Yeah, building a, a relationship with his with his brand customers and then uh, getting, I think, that great experience for his the, the, the end customer, so to speak, right? Just mm-hmm. very good. Absolutely. Very cool. All right. Well, like I said, another great episode. And so, Justin, any, uh, any thoughts uh, closing up this one? I certainly do, Rich. I would like to remind everyone once again, I'm pleading with you, please subscribe. Never miss another moment with a chef or food service industry professional again. We would also greatly appreciate it if you left us a review. And while you're thinking about it, give us a topic for a future episode. Perfect, perfect. And also, you can reach out to us at volrathfoodservice.com and let us know any of those things as well. So a couple of ways there for you to do that. And now for our new year I, I thought it'd change up my quote a little bit and it was I think fitting during the interview today that um, it came up and I actually thought of this quote another one from my dad but I thought of it when we had uh, Taylor uh, the chef from Hawaii on and he was talking about a scenario where he was out in the back and maybe you remember this he was talking about when he and another chef took the garbage out and the other chef wanted to do something and he said no what would chef what would chef do? oh yeah right I thought of my dad's quote then, and I thought about the show here of uh, changing it up. And my dad would always say, too, whatever it is, do it like there's a customer watching. My dad would say that. Like, if you, whatever you do, just do it like there's a customer watching. And it'll always guide you to do the right thing and do it the right way. You know, sometimes if you think about taking a shortcut on something, you wouldn't do it if a customer was watching you. Do it like it was a customer watching you. So that's my quote for the end of the show for this year is, Whatever it is, do it like there's a customer watching. Till next time, everyone. Thanks for listening. Have a great week ahead. Take care.